0: Good morning, 930 service. How's everybody feeling this morning? You're looking good. If you haven't heard it today, you are looking mighty fine. Rob Larmer, come on, bro. You're looking fantastic. How's everybody feeling, though? How are you feeling? Brad, you feeling all right? You ready? Five of you are okay. The rest, we'll get there. We'll get there. I see some faces back from vacation. Adam, come on. This is a family in here. That's just great to see you all. I'm so excited for baptisms today. As Pastor Troy just said, if you're new to church and you're wondering, well, what's this all about today? What are baptisms? Let me explain it to you. What it's going to look like uh, really on the exterior is someone being put underwater in a hot tub, a portable hot tub, that if only we could all have time to enjoy after the service today, but... (laughs) Someone being put under the water and then brought back up. That's what it's going to look like on the outside. But here's why it matters so much and why it's such a big deal and why we throw a party every time we do it. Is that when you make a decision to follow Jesus with your life, to believe that God sent his only son, to rescue and redeem you in his incredible love that God made you. Come on, somebody. That he made you, that he designed you, and that he made you for a love relationship With him, that he wants you free. Come on, when you make a decision to start to follow Jesus, that's a private moment of faith. That's just between you and God. And the way we do it in our Sunday services, at the end of every service, we always give an opportunity to just simply pray a prayer. And you don't have to come to the front. No one's got to know your name. No one even has to know that you made that decision because that is between you and God. That's a private moment of faith. But there comes a time. When you take that private faith public, and that's what you do in baptism. And that's, why, that's why the Bible actually commands baptism as a next step. Come on, somebody in our faith, but it shouldn't have to be a commandment. No, this is something that we get to do, to be able to say to the people around us, I have been forgiven, I've been freed, I've been restored, and I just don't even care who knows it anymore. I just need to let the world know what God's done for me. And so I'm so excited for those, we've got people registered to get baptized after both services, but here's how we do it around here. I, I never want you to have to wait for the next one. If you're here today and you've not been baptized, we, we, got, we got ready for you. And we went out, and we bought some shorts, and we bought some flip-flops, and we bought some t-shirts, we bought bras and underwear, we brought hair dryers, we got all that you could possibly need to get baptized today. So if you've not been baptized, come on, somebody. Today is your day. (laughs) Nothing better than a spontaneous baptism. Now, I know you still have one little piece of you that is saying, but I want that person here to be able to see that I got baptized. You want to invite your family, you want to invite your friends, and I think that's a very noble idea. And so what we've decided to do for you today is to have our capture team take a photo of you and put it in your email inbox so you can show them that you got baptized after the, Today is your day. Somebody. <sighs> I'm, I'm ready to get baptized again. <laughs> I, uh, I also want to mention this morning that we're now just four weeks away from Easter, and we are pumping this up every week. Next week on the armrest is going to be about... 60 or 70 invites each for you, for you to invite your friends and family who are close to you but far from God. Come on, they're going to be... It's, I, I love the design that, that, uh, that we've put together this year just to be able to make your friends and family go, oh, that's cool. That's, that looks interesting. Um, but what we really want is them here to experience a life-changing God. And that's four weeks from now. It is going to be life-changing. Why are we talking about it every week? So that you can be praying about now and thinking about who you're going to be inviting Jesse, your first Sunday was last year on Easter Sunday. Come on, let's give it up for Jesse this morning. Yes. So good. I'm going to be pointing out everybody in the room at some point today. I don't know what that is. It's just the Sunday it is. I'm just feeling good. In the lead up to Easter, we're in this series called Free. And it's really interesting how I feel uh, preaching these messages. Um, Because I know that I've experienced in my own life, and I, I believe that probably most of us have felt or still feel this way, that we can't believe that God really wants me free. Like really to go beyond just this idea of freedom being something proclaimed in the Bible, but it actually being something that soaks down into the level of your heart. And you live out of this place of freedom. And so I'm really excited today to go to God's word and once again see, God wants you to live free. I mean, the Bible screams it, and I've experienced it in my own life, and I know so many have, that God wants you oh my goodness, God wants you to live free." This is the theme verse for the whole series. In John chapter eight, Jesus said, "So if the sun sets you free, you're going to be free indeed." That's I, I believe, with all my heart, God's desire for every person on the planet today. Now, every time I look at someone, they're turning away. They don't want me to say their name out loud from the platform. What have I done this morning? Jesus says this. this, You're going to be free. You are going to be free indeed. Come on, just say those two words with me. Free indeed. Come on, say it like you mean it. Free indeed. Now, when Jesus said these words, he was having a conversation with a group of people. And this group of people already believed in him. This is what it says in verse 31. He said to them, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. So these are believers. They already have put their faith in Jesus. But notice Jesus wants something more for them. He says, then, then you're going to know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So if you're a Christian, you'd probably say that when you gave your life to Jesus, God freed you of a whole bunch of stuff. But Jesus is saying there's more for you. There's more freedom. He said it uh, in verse 34, "'Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin.'" And what he's saying here is that you can be a Christian but still have that thing. You can be a follower of Jesus and still have that area or maybe those areas in your life where you're not really experiencing all the freedom God has. Oh, you're, you're a Christian. You're saved. You're forgiven. You're going to heaven. You're just not living as free as God intended you to live. And that's why last week we talked about identifying the lie that the enemy's got to use you and and get you trapped in a lie. Last week was about identifying the lie. This morning we're talking about shutting the door. Next week we're talking about staying free. Come on, this morning's about shutting the door. Have you ever ever had something come in your front door you didn't want to come in the front door because you left it open just a little bit too long? Like there's a, a kids book in our house right now and it tells a story of of a bear coming in the door because because the family left the door open and it just now it has freaked out our two girls um, to the point where when they walk in the front door they just turn around and they slam the door shut I mean if you are walking in the front of our house behind our children you better watch your nose because that door is coming I mean, so hard and so fast that people a block away can hear the door slamming. People are phoning the police, just wondering what's going on, and it's just my kids afraid there's a bear coming in the house behind them. It's really not that irrational, if you think about it. When I was growing up, uh, we were at my grandparents' house, and we had the door propped open so that we could bring some stuff in and out. Uh, Our luggage as we're coming to visit grandma and grandpa, and so we've got the door propped open, and all of a sudden, a bat flew into their house. Now, there's a bat. Flying around their house. And when I get to heaven, it's not going to be my first question. I've got some other questions lined up. But one of my questions will be God, why were bats so creepy looking? Like the bony little wings and the eyeballs that they apparently don't really use to fly. You know, like it's just the creepiest creature. So there's bats flying around their house. But, but uh, you know, I'm so thankful for grandpas. My, my grandpa, I don't know, I, I want to say he was probably about 80 years old at the time. And This is the kind of grandpa I want to be. It's just like when there's a bat flying around the house, you're just chill. Like, no big deal. I've been through through stuff. This bat don't bother me. So grandpa goes and he gets a box. Now, this was not the ideal box for the task. This box had a hole in it I want to describe as about the size of a bat. So... So, Grandpa gets the box, and he traps the bat, and of course, because the box is not ideally suited for the task, the bat comes out the hole, and is now flying around. And the only thing worse than a bat flying around your house is a bat that's flying around angry at your house, because now it's just screeching and upset. But Grandpa's still totally chill. Now, if I was Grandpa, what I would do, and I don't know about you, but what I would do, and I'm a young guy still, thank you, Jesus, uh, that, that I, I haven't really reached this level of maturity though. What I would do is I would go and I would find some duct tape. I would be taping the hole shut. Or, or otherwise, I'd find another box. Like, I would do something to get a better solution. But Grandpa's solution was just, well, I'm just going to cover that hole with my bare hand. Come on, somebody. When you're 80 years old, you don't have time for another box. No, you got more important things to do. So you just cover the hole with your hand. And so grandpa covers the hole with his hand and he gets the bat and he just kind of ushers the thing out the door. And just because he was a ninja, my grandpa was a ninja. And can we give it up for all the grandpas and grandmas in the place this morning? Come on. Ninjas, all of you. How does that relate to the message this morning, Pastor Shane? I'm glad you asked. We had all this chaos going on in our house because we had left the door open. And it could be the same in your spiritual life. That maybe there's a door open to the enemy coming and robbing some freedom from you. And when I say the enemy, I mean the devil and or demons. And if you'd say, I don't believe in any of that, then join the party. That's like 60% of Christians in North America today. Don't believe the devil exists. Just believe that the devil is symbolic. But the Bible says a whole lot different than that. And actually, it's so important that we understand that you have an enemy of your soul so you can know how to shut the door. We see, the Bible doesn't talk about the devil because God wants to scare you into heaven. Well, because God wants you to be able to slam the door shut and be able to live free, somebody. Come on, God's got a, a plan and a purpose for you that is living free. And this is how Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He, he said this, he said, we don't wanna unwittingly give Satan, listen to this language, an opening, For yet more mischief, we're not oblivious to his ways. And that's the the picture I want us to have this morning, that there's some areas where there could be an opening. Another translation says, but we're not ignorant of his schemes. So there's some bad news this morning. There is an enemy of your soul. There's some good news. He's he's only ever come through, and we're going to talk about them this morning, three big doors. He's only got three doors that he's going to try and use. And God has given us the antidote to every one of these doors. And here's where the doors are described in the Bible. Actually, we see this all throughout the Bible, really cover to cover. But one John chapter two says it plainly. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world. Now here's the three doors, the desires of the flesh, number one, the desires of the eyes, secondly, and the pride of life. It's not from the father, that's from the world the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So here they are, the three doors. Here's the first one. John called it the desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh. And this is, this is our passions. This is uh, when I'm in my feelings. This is when you're living based on how you're feeling. You're, you're allowing what I want to do and what feels good to be in the driver's seat of your life. If it feels good, do it. And especially in this area, when it comes to this one, in the area of our sexuality. If it feels good, do it, is the message. And, and I know in this environment of don't judge me, Pastor, uh, you know, that. Maybe you'd be thinking, I don't, I don't really want to hear this part, but I don't want to judge you this morning. No, I want to fight for you. I want to fight for your freedom. I want to love you. Come on. I want to slam the door where the enemy just wants to come and rob some stuff from you. So it, it, I think here's the deal. If you, if you would ever have said, I've lived a life of if it feels good, do it. Come on. You would know that it doesn't lead to freedom. If it led to freedom, we would all feel incredibly free. If it feels good, do it. It's the, one of the doors that we need to shut. It's the... It's the first one. The second one is is the desires of our eyes. This is what we see and what we we want. This is our possessions. If If the first one was our passions, if it feels good to do it, this is our possessions. If I see it, I want it. And this is just another door the enemy wants to use to try and rob you of some freedom. God actually has for you because he wants you to buy stuff you can't afford and have you saddled with that or he wants you looking at things that you can't afford and not buying them but just looking at them and so you're not even enjoying the place where you are today the second one is the desires of our eyes and the third one he said was the pride of life the pride of life and this is this is getting hung up on our position really we get stuck in pride when we allow our value to come from what other people think about us or even what we think about ourselves. See, if we allow someone else to place value on us, we are going to constantly be chasing a position or power. But if we know what God has said about us, no, we're gonna be chasing after a person. We're gonna be chasing after Jesus. We don't need to be hung up on trying to get to any level of position because we know what God says about us. These are the three doors. Come on, there's good news for you today. He's, the devil's only ever gonna try and use three doors. And we know this because we see it throughout Scripture. In fact, when when Satan came and tempted Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, these were the three doors he tried. Watch this. Matthew 4 verse 3 this is the first time he tried to tempt Jesus. He said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. So Jesus, I know that you're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. and I know you're hungry. So here, this is what's going to feel good. Some bread would feel really good. Right now in this moment, what would feel good is some food. So why don't you eat it? Jesus, I got a bigger plan. I got a big, I'm not living for what feels good in this moment. No, I got a different plan, a different purpose. First thing he tempted him it was the area of his passions. If it feels good, get, do it right now. Here was the second one. He took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and he said, If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And he, he was saying, Show off. Because you know, if you jump, angels are going to catch you and everyone's going to see it and they're going to say, Wow. Tempting in the area of pride. And now watch the third one. He, he showed them all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to them, all of these I give to you. Come on, what's this one? Possessions. I, I'm gonna give you some stuff. Always the same three doors. And this is good news for us today because God has the antidote for every one of these things. And we're gonna see them together as we, as we journey this through. What's the antidote to this first thing? What's the antidote to our passions, living led by what I feel? The antidote here is is simply this word it's integrity. It's integrity. And I know you think you know what this word means, because you're probably thinking this word means a perfect person, but that's not what the word means. Integrity comes from the root word integer, meaning whole. So integrity is not a perfect person, integrity is simply a person who said, I'm not going to live two lives. I'm not going to live one way in church and I'm not going to live a different way when I'm with that group of friends and I'm not going to live a different way when I'm at work and I'm not going to live a different way on Monday afternoon than I am Sunday morning when I got my hands raised in church. No, integer, integrity. I'm going to live whole. If you're struggling with lust or, or something in the area of if it feels good, do it when it comes to sexuality, then, then how do we get free in this? If it's not a perfect person, what does it look like? We're only going to get free when we can actually get to the place where we would say to another person, this is what's behind the mask. This is what's going on in my life, and I need you to love on me. And I, I need you to know and love me, but I also need you to challenge me and pray with me. Come on, somebody. This is why I love our R group so much. Because the content of what you're studying in your R group or what you're doing together, whether it's past, whatever is the reason you're gathering together, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you've got the people in your group so that eventually you could let someone behind the mask to say, this is what's actually going on in my life, so that you've got someone who can pray with you. You've got someone who can call you when you're on that business trip. You've got someone who can stand with you. You've got someone who can challenge you. You've got someone with you on the journey. Integrity does not mean being a perfect person. It just means being an honest person. God does not need your perfection. He's looking for your pursuit. Integrity. Oh, I'm going to be consistent. This is what what Paul said to the Roman church. He said, don't even give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even start the little errands connected with that old way of life. And I felt this morning, I know this is a harder message, maybe a challenging message, but it's not to put a weight on you. It's actually so we can slam a door shut on some things and live free. But here's, here's something I felt I needed to say today. Maybe this, recently I was talking to a very good friend of mine, and he's lost his marriage because he found out that um, for multiple times that his wife had had another affair. And it's cost them their marriage. And I watched the challenge he's going through, and I watched the pain that his kids are walking through. And I felt like I just needed to say today, maybe things are rough right now in your marriage or maybe they're very difficult right now in your life and you're thinking about an affair. And I just felt like I needed to get up here today and plead with you to shut the door. I'm begging you, close that door because it will not lead to freedom. But what you need is an honest conversation with someone who can see you and love you and can stand with you to, to brave the difficult conversation. And this is what I love about the culture of our church. It always starts with knowing people and then loving people and getting to challenge. Come on, if you don't know that you're known, you will not receive that you're loved in this place. And if you do not know that you're loved, you will not hear God's challenge for you to move on and to grow in your relationship with Jesus. It always flows from known and love and challenged integrity. Paul goes on as he speaks to the church. He says, come on, throw yourself wholeheartedly and full-time, don't do the part-time thing. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Throw yourself wholeheartedly into relationships so that sin can't tell you how to live. After all, come on, church, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. God doesn't need your perfection. He needs your honesty, integrity. I, we were hanging out with some friends recently. They're not Christians. They're good friends of ours. They were over at our house and... Um, uh, we were it's, we've invited them to church like a lot of times and they've never come to church before. And I was inviting them again. I was telling them how cool you are. I was like, you got to understand, these are like really cool people. Like all of them are ninjas. It's amazing. You should come to church. I promise you. Even our grandparents, ninjas in the house. And, and they were telling me they're coming. They were like they were like, we're in. We're going to do it. We're in. We're going to do it. Um, I don't know when it is. But I don't see them here this morning. But they're, they're going to come to church. They're good friends of ours. And here's what I love about this honesty piece. This is so fun. Uh, we actually missed a deadline when it relates to one of the girls' schooling. And, and so the wife said to me, uh, she actually came up with, like, an incredible lie that I could tell to get out of missing this deadline. You know what I love? I love it when people know what I do. <laughs> but they're still real enough to just make up a really sweet lie and hand it to me like that's going to be really helpful for my life. Come on, somebody. You need some people in your life that aren't quite sanctified yet and tell you to tell a lie. and just, They're not even thinking that you wouldn't do it. They're not even there. They're just like, they're thinking, I'm helping Pastor Shane right now. Just drop that lie. You'll be fine. It was really good. Honesty, integrity. Doesn't need your perfection. Come on, God wants you living an honest life, a whole life, a consistent life. That's what freedom looks like. See, one of the problems that we don't buy into this freedom is when we say, well, I'm I'm never going to be perfect. No, you are never going to be perfect. Freedom does not come when you're perfect. Freedom comes when you're honest, when you're whole, when you're like, my life is the same day in, day out. I know who I am. I know the pursuit I'm on, and I got friends with me in the journey. Help lead me closer to Jesus. That's the first one, integrity. Well, what's the antidote to this second one, to to the desires of the eyes or to possessions? The antidote here is simply generosity. Generosity, because every time you're generous, you're breaking the grip of materialism off your life. Because the devil says, get, 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 but God says, I loved you so much that I gave for you. Generosity. How, how, How do we get to this place of generosity? What? What does it look like? In the Bible, it really talks about generosity being a priority. If we're going to live free, if we're going to slam the door, generosity is not something we do from time to time. It actually becomes a priority and a consistent thing in our life. Genesis 4 tells a story about two brothers, Cain and Abel. And it says that Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. And watch the language here. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, In the course of time means Cain gave when he felt like it. It wasn't priority. He was like, oh, if I have something, I'll give it. But his brother Abel, verse 4 says, brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portion. So he gave God the first, the firstborn. God, I'm going to give to you regularly, and I'm going to give to you what's first. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was, of course, angry in his face fell and the Lord said to Cain why are you angry why is your face falling if you do well will you not be accepted if you don't do well and watch this it's all throughout the Bible cover to cover it's what we've been talking about if you don't sin is crouching at the door at the door it's right there and this is not what we think about generosity we, we think you know what if I give something to God it's really a bonus <clears throat> if I don't give to God it doesn't really matter the Bible says this is one of the areas that you need to get square in your life if you really want to live free. In fact, it's one of the ways God helps slam the door on some stuff that the devil has for you. Malachi verse three would tell us that the Lord will rebuke the devourer. Why? When we're giving tithes and offering into the storehouse of God. It's one of the ways God keeps us free is through a life of generosity. And here's what I'm so excited to be able to say to you today. There's just no ulterior motive in my heart as I say these things to you. Because everything that our church Owns is paid for, and we're not wondering how we're going to rent the building next week. No, we're not. We're not. We're not strapped. We're generous as a church. We we really are. We're giving uh, over like over ten percent. We give away all the time. So I I can stand before you and there's no ulterior motive. We're not struggling. We don't need what you've got. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you getting free. I can be able to say it the way I want to say it this morning, which is that it's because of consistency in tithes and offerings that God is going to bring you to a new level of freedom in your life. This is what we do as a church. This is what Resonate does. We give away constantly to other ministries, to plant churches, to local and and global missions because it's just a principle where we shut the door on what the enemy has for us and we just walk into the favor of God. So that's the second one. How How do we shut the door on on possessions on the pride of our eyes is, is through constant generosity here's the third one how how do we get free from pride and the answer here is humility we said before pride is like pride hits us when we when we care too much about what other people think. We value ourselves on the basis of what someone else thinks or even what we think about ourselves. God says, I never wanted anything to place value on you but me. You don't need to strive to become something, to get position, to feel significant in your life. No, you've got all the value you ever need. I, I, I made you with value. I made you for a reason, and that all comes from God, not from anybody else, not even from ourselves. The ironic thing is that when you live a life of humility, you actually grow in influence. Because people want to be around somebody that's not thinking about themselves all the time. Every one of these things is to lead us into greater freedom. So just look up here for one more minute. We close with this. God does not need your perfection. He's after your pursuit today. God's not after your possessions. He's just not going to occupy a space in your life that's beneath them. And he definitely doesn't want us valuing ourselves on the basis of what we think of ourselves or on the basis of what somebody else thinks today. Hear this. He wants to hear, he wants you to hear this today. He loves you. Loves you. Oh, he loves you. He wants you free. Free indeed. It's a journey. He'll free you in a moment of time through forgiveness, but then he's going to place you on a path where then truth is going to consistently and regularly lead you into greater freedom. He loves you. He wants you free. God, I thank you that in this place today, Lord, there's, I really believe every one of us today needs to hear your voice in this area on how we slam the door because the devil knows which door that we're most likely to leave open. He knows He knows that. But we're not unaware of that scheme. We're not, we're not unaware of that at all, God. We, you've actually given us the ability to close that door. I pray, God, today, by the power of your Spirit, there would be a lifting of the weight of past hurts and past mistakes and a a step today into freedom, a step today to close the door in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, would you stand all over the room? We're going to continue to worship together. And really, this is the response part where we hear the voice of God speak, not just through my words, but through his words. Maybe he's going to identify the door today. Maybe he's going to speak to you about something. Maybe he's simply going to give you a bigger picture of who Jesus is and the call to freedom. Maybe he's just going to pour out his love on you. But this is the time where we respond and we hear the voice of God. Let's worship and sing to Him.
1: So, Lord, I know my heart wants some more of You. My heart wants something new, so I. Surrender, oh. all I want is to live within your love, being done by who you are, my desire is to know. Open me now. Open up my
0: atmosphere where God's just speaking to some hearts. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed for a moment, because maybe you're here in the room this morning, and and you know you're far from God. Maybe you've never in your life made a decision to surrender your life to God through faith in Jesus and what God has done for you. Or maybe you know, maybe you did at a certain time in your life, but you know you've walked away from God, and you're in the room this morning. You're like, man, I am so far from God. Today you want to make a decision to go all in with God and surrender your life wholeheartedly to Him. If that's you in the place today, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Shane, would you include me in that closing prayer, that moment of private devotion to God today? Would you say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I need, to, I need that decision today. I, I want to pray. Include me in that prayer. Today's my day of decision. Today's a day of surrender. It's between you and God. And the Bible says that, that salvation is, is from start to finish, come on, a free gift from God, not on the basis of what you do, but on the basis of what he has done. He's going to lead your life from this point on, but this moment forgiveness is a free gift from God. There's no other, there's no other religion like this that says God is your father. He wants to rescue and redeem you, son. He wants to rescue and redeem you, daughter. He wants to pour his love on you today. We're gonna to pray together. If you raise your hand or you didn't today, that's your decision. Say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. Would you just pray this with me in this moment of private devotion? Say, dear Jesus, I give you my whole life, my full surrender. And I'm gonna to choose to follow you from this moment on. I believe you died and rose again, so I can be forgiven. And I receive that now. I faith. I'm forgiven. I'm free. I'm free in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. Church, can we put our hands together for those making that decision today? Nothing matter Nothing. Never gets old.